Welcome to That International Life. Stories from around the world, but mostly from Poland. Hi, and welcome to episode one of That International Life. I'm glad you're listening and excited to introduce our guest shortly. But before we get started, I would like to tell you about a contest. Yes, a contest. Already we're having contests, and it's only our first episode. So I think we can all agree that my intro for the show is pretty boring and impersonal and, well, awful. But hopefully that will change soon with your help. You can create an intro for that international life. And if yours is chosen, you will get a prize plus bragging rights. Yes, and that is almost better than the prize, although the prize is pretty amazing. So please send your entries to blanchhunts at gmail.com. That is B-L-A-N-C-H-E, hunts, H-U-N-T-S, at gmail.com in mp3 format for your chance to win an amazing prize. Okay, now, business aside, I would like to introduce my first guest. My first guest ever is uh, Kira. She is from Ukraine and is currently living in Wrocław, Poland. I met Kira and her husband at church and during an event uh, had the privilege of hearing the story about how she and her husband ended up moving to Poland. Um, she does a great job of telling a story, and since uh, I currently only have one mic, I am going to let her tell the story without too many interruptions. So, without further ado. My name is Kira, and I am originally from Ukraine, where I lived for the most of my life. And uh, during the last few years, Ukraine became really famous on the news, and I happened to live in Kiev, which is the capital where some of uh, recent events happened and I would like to share my experience uh, but also as well how it led me eventually to come to Wroclaw and to meet Rachel here. So back in uh, 2013 before the revolution in Ukraine happened the life of the average citizen of Kiev was not actually that bad. Uh, so to give you an example, a person with higher education, a young person working for medium or large company could afford a vacation in some European uh, or Mediterranean resort at least once a year. So life was not that bad. The only one unlucky situation was that majority of people were not proud of their president due to his criminal past, due to the fact that he made a lot of money out of his presidency and he showed off a lot with that money. And also the system of corruption was uh, working. It was a system since uh, majority of people, even every, every person knew how to get done what they wanted either in the hospital or in the educational facility or in the police department or in some registration office. Uh, everybody knew how to make the system work, but they did not pay through the bank. They paid in different methods. So it was a system of corruption that eventually made all the businesses and all the citizens live a pretty decent life. Uh, but in 2013, uh, due to some events, uh, some small, minor events, uh, people became really pissed off 
with the president and the revolution started. Well, from my point of view, as a resident of Kiev, it was a lot of fun. At the beginning, lots and lots of people gathered together in the center of the city, came to the main square. Uh, there was a stage with some musical bands playing, and uh, in between those bands, some people came to the stage shouting some offensive uh, sentences against our president, and all the crowd joined them. And it was kind of fun to visit for a couple of days. Uh, but afterwards, uh, things became a little violent there on the central uh, square, and we kind of stopped participating there very actively. Uh, it was still very safe to live in the capital of Ukraine. We just knew that we should not come to the central part of the city in some particular hours. But uh, we continued to live with our everyday life. Both my husband and I had very nice jobs. And we drove there every day. So it was just regular, regular life with some uh, additional restrictions on visiting the central square of the city in some particular hours. Uh, after that, in February, uh, there were a couple of really dangerous days when there were uh, 100, approximately 100 people killed in the central square by snipers who were shooting them. Those were the most active protesters who were starting to protest uh, violently. And still nobody knows who were those snipers who shoot them. But again, from, from my perspective, person who did not participate a lot in the revolution, it was just not going to the central part at all during that time. And anyway, all the public transportation was stopped for those days. So it was pretty impossible. And even all the companies made those days like days off. Nobody even went to work. So we just stayed in our neighborhood and that's it. But of course, for people who participated actively in revolution and who believed in the ideas of revolution, those days were really tragic and sad. But uh, that sadness ended pretty quickly with uh, one night uh, our president, former president Viktor Yanukovych ran away to Russia and suddenly uh, there was a celebration on the central square where again lots of people came out for a beautiful celebration of winning of the revolution. But uh, for us it was a little bit premature celebration, because we suspected that something more is coming, that it could not end so simply. Uh, and uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Crimea became Russian territory, and in approximately one more month, uh, the war in the east of Ukraine began. And now all the action was moved from the central square in Kiev, uh, to the east of Ukraine. And uh, it was again safe once again to come to the central square in Kiev. Uh, but uh, there became a new fear in our lives because lots of uh, Russian military soldiers came in into the eastern of Ukraine. And it was not like uh, the war in Syria where locals uh, suffer a lot from the war. For sure, locals there suffered. But the majority of them did not suffer from Russian soldiers because 
Lots of them supported and wanted to become independent of Ukraine. Uh, some people who were against independency, they left the regions and started their new lives in Kiev or Lviv or other cities. But lots of people who left in the eastern part of Ukraine were supporting the new small self-proclaimed republics, and they were actually for the independency from Ukraine. And Ukrainian government, of course, was not willing to lose territories, especially such wealthy territories with lots of coal in them and lots of uh, factories in them. And they were trying to win those territories back, even though local residents did, want, did not want to be a part of Ukraine anymore. So anyway... We heard that uh, the tanks and the soldiers that were coming from Russia to those uh, eastern parts of Ukraine had writings on them that we will come to Kiev. And after the recent uh, situation in Georgia, where Russian tanks actually came to uh, the capital, uh, to Tbilisi, and even fired a few uh, hits uh, and hit few residential buildings. So for us in Kiev, it was really very scary uh, that uh, Russian tanks and Russian soldiers will come to Kiev and will attack the city. And uh, we even uh, were advised and did it, so we had to prepare food supplies, dry food supplies for a couple of weeks and store it in our apartment and uh, prepare fuel supply enough to get us to the border, to the western border of Ukraine, uh, just in case if uh, Russian aggression will come close to Kiev so that we will be able to go to the neighboring country and ask for help, something like that. So it was pretty scary to even consider that uh, you might be forced to leave your apartment and all of your belongings and with a small number of things leave to a different country. That was, uh, that was quite a shock for us. Uh, luckily, pretty soon uh, the war was concentrated in uh, few uh, territories in the east of Ukraine. The border between the war zone and the usual safe zone was locked, and uh, all the uh, military actions were limited to that particular zone. Uh, so it, w it became a little bit easier in the terms of military threat. But a new stress came to our lives uh, due to the fact that uh, all men in Ukraine uh, should serve in the military. And uh, my husband, during his education, uh, had to take some military classes. Uh, the system works that way that uh, People who do not receive higher education, they go and serve in army. And later, in case of war, they became soldier of lower rank. Uh, while people who receive higher education, they go through some advanced military strategy courses or some advanced technical military courses in the universities. And in the case of war, they became like the management of the soldiers 
and they also have to serve in the army, but like on the higher ranks. And due to the fact that my husband uh, took such military courses, uh, there was a threat that he might be called to serve in the military zone, where actually it was quite unclear against whom is Ukraine warring, because lots of uh, usual Ukrainian residents in those territories suffered from Ukrainian so-called protection of those land. So it's still very, uh, it's a two-way street. It's really hard to judge whether it's a like real war for uh, making those territories free or is it war against uh, their own citizens. Uh, so clearly, uh, me and my husband, we didn't want him to go and fight there, but uh, technically he could be called any time. And from different connections, like second-hand acquaintances, we heard that lots of people received such invitations to join the military forces. Sometimes those invitations were distributed in a really brutal way, like people were chased on the streets by the military officials, or uh, some military officials came to the workplace of another people. Sometimes uh, some guys who didn't want to go and serve there, they had to uh, make like a, become legally unemployed and to continue to work for their companies illegally so that the company will not be forced to uh, give the information that these people work for this company. And of course, it was constant stress. Uh, each time we checked our post box, there could be an invitation. So every day I felt this kind of stress. My husband was not so stressed. It's usually a woman's thing to be worried about everything. So for me, that time was really like constant worrying about that something might get really worse. And in addition to that, due to the war, and uh, due to the whole situation in the country where the currency dropped three times, lost three times its value, comparing to euro and US dollars, lots of people became much poorer there than they were before the revolution. And that those are people whose salary was not connected to US dollar, or euro, and those are probably more than 90% of Ukrainians, only people who work in IT industry and some other limited industries have their salary connected to the world currencies. All the rest receive their salary in Ukrainian hryvnia. And that meant that uh, every import good became three times more expensive to them. Traveling to different countries, of course, became impossible for many of them. Uh, so even the the goal to become closer to Europe, the goal of revolution to have a visa-free entrance to Europe became kind of not of the first priority now when people could not afford a, a air ticket anymore even to receive a visa and to go traveling to Europe. So due to this fact and due to the fact that war was going on and lots of people were relocating from the territories close to war, the crime rate in the capital of Ukraine grew significantly. It became much more dangerous to live in all the neighborhoods of the city than it was even during the revolution where people were actually killed in this central square. 
uh, lots of robberies of apartments started to happen uh, during daytime. During nighttime, uh, lots of cars were stolen or even burned on the streets. And, of course, pickpocketing was every day and everywhere, and nobody was surprised by somebody's report that his phone or his wallet or his purse was stolen on the transport or in the store. It was like every day saying nothing special. And uh, I have a small dog, and I was so worried because I read on Facebook that in some district nearby ours, there was a robbery in the apartment during daytime when the owners went to work. And the dog, the little Yorkshire Terrier, just like mine, escaped or maybe was killed or something happened to him during this robbery. And uh, the owners were looking for the dog after they came and found out that their apartment was robbed. And for me, uh, my dog also was like the most precious thing that was in apartment during daytime. So I had to take him with me to work every day. Well, which was fun for all of my colleagues, actually. Uh, but still, it was kind of stress when you lock your apartment every day and you think that it might be the day. So it's, it's, it's not fun when you live in a city with a real high crime rate. And what's worse, police does nothing about that. When they come, like, for example, my friend's apartment was robbed. And when police come, they said, oh, we have five more calls on the same robbery. So we will spend like five minutes with you. Don't have any hope. Nothing will be found. But we just need to document that. So nobody was doing anything about that. So it was pretty stressful to live in that time. And still, uh, we've got our jobs that were connected to international currencies. And uh, my husband was not eventually called to serve in the military services. So we were the percentage of Ukrainians who were less impacted by this revolution and war situation. There are millions of people who were impacted much more than we are. And I can't imagine their level of stress or of, of sorrow, of all the terrible mixture of emotions that they are going through right now. It's really hard time for Ukrainians. We are like the lucky few percentage of people who actually right now live not in Ukraine and not worry about that anymore. Uh, so eventually we come to the time when my husband and I decided that for a long time we were wondering uh, how it's like to live in a different country and due to all of that, those factors in our country, it's a good time to look for opportunities for relocation. And um, my husband was pretty quick in finding a very nice opportunity in Poland. And we started all the process of visa preparation, uh, selling our car uh, that we did not need anymore. And the stakes rose and the level of stress rose together with them. And it took us six months to get our visa done, to get all the procedures needed for relocation complete. And during those six months, every day, it was a constant worrying about what if... Uh, the situation will not work out. And the verse that really helped me to go through those times is from Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
And uh, Ukrainian authorities gave us lots of surprises while we were preparing documents. Like, for example, uh, absolutely unexpectedly, I received a notice that due to the fine that I have received two years ago, uh, all my property was arrested. And the car uh, that we planned to come with which to Poland was registered in my name. So that meant that we could come to the border and could not be admitted to Poland because we are uh, moving on an arrested car. But the funniest thing was that I paid that fine in the time. But the police department could not receive the situation from the financial department that the fine was actually paid. And it took me about five weeks and numerous visits to different departments to find out that actually uh, everything was all right. My property was not arrested. And they found out that the fine was paid pretty soon. But even so, they decided to send me the letter and to waste five weeks of my time. But that's normal situation that what is going on in Ukraine all the time before and after revolution, no difference. Uh, so it was really stressful, and Ukraine added with its procedures to the stress a lot. And when finally everything was over and we came to Poland, it was a great relief. And even though I had to leave my beloved job, which was a wonderful job, and right now I'm in the process of looking and onboarding to another opportunity that I hope will be also interesting for me here, but while I was looking for it, it was worrying and I was really anxious to find something really quick and to, because it was really boring for me just to sit at home and look for a job all day long. And I found another verse uh, that was supporting me during this time over here. It's from Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Lord. And it was also great support. And it even was so that I was praying to the Lord, thanksgiving, as it is presented here. And I, I told, uh, complained to the Lord that, Lord, I'm so bored. I want to go to job really quickly. And still while I was praying, I received a call from the potential employer. So God uh, really walked with us through all those stressful times in Ukraine. And he is with us and supporting us uh, here in Poland. And... Uh, we are very excited to be here and to know people like Rachel and to communicate with them. But still, we remember that we are only a small percentage of Ukrainians whose experience with this revolution and war thing uh, just resulted in uh, three years of stress. But there are lots and lots of Ukrainians whose lives were impacted much more with financial loss, with loss of their property, and with loss of the life of their beloved ones, of their sons and daughters and husbands and children. So it's really hard over there. And I think that one of the main lessons that can be used by citizens of any other countries don't start revolutions just wait for the next election and elect a normal president 
I have one question. Why were you nervous for your husband to go to the army? What were the conditions? You know, was it because you didn't think that the cause was worth it or the conditions? So maybe a little bit about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the thing about Ukrainian army is not only the risk that you might lose your life during the fighting. Uh, the problem is very complex. It is connected to uh, the fact that all the um, higher authorities in the military are somehow connected to uh, the corruption system and not everybody but some of them are corrupted and are sold to different forces and uh, they can even not give a necessary order to their soldiers to attack when the soldiers can gain a military victory. And there were lots and lots of reports from the soldiers in the social networks that there were lots of events where they could attack and they could win a territory, but there was no order. And as the result, uh, the enemy became stronger and attacked them, and lots of their uh, fellow soldiers were dead due to the lack of the order. And there are so many information that lots of the higher officials in the army are corrupted and are not working for the benefit of the military cause. But uh, apart from that, the conditions of Ukrainian army were really terrible, especially in the beginning of the war, where there was literally nothing, no clothing, no protective things that are needed for soldiers, no weapons. Everything was uh, bought and collected by volunteers and brought into for the soldiers, and there was not enough for everyone. So the conditions of the war was extremely dangerous for life and for health. And even uh, in the training camps, the pillows uh, were full of mold. And it's impossible to imagine what was the condition of food that was given to those soldiers. So to go to the army meant that uh, you might lose your life, but for sure you will lose your health and also emotional health as well. So that was part of the reason. And in addition to that, it was not always clear uh, what are the targets of those attacks. Are those the citizens, the same citizens of Ukraine who live in those territories and want that territories for some reason to be independent? Uh, or those are really like pro-Russian soldiers who are the so it was possible that Ukrainian people were actually killing uh, their same citizens. Well, that definitely um, puts it in perspective and helps us understand a little bit more about what's going on there in Ukraine and really appreciate you sharing that with us today. And I think it really helps us get a perspective of what's really happening. And so um, with that, I guess, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add or share with us today? Well, I just want to say that <laughs> Kiev is a beautiful city in <laughs> April and May, <laughs> and it's safe now, so <laughs> come and visit, <laughs> but check what your like uh, travel uh, agency uh, tells you before going, <laughs> if there are no warnings, that it's, it's a beautiful city to visit. <laughs> Uh, book your tickets, and on the way to uh, Ukraine, you can stop off in Poland and hang out with me. So, yeah, thank you so much all for listening uh, today, and I hope that you 
uh, learned a little bit about Ukraine, like I did uh, from Kira, and that it's um, it was enjoyable. So be sure to check out uh, the website for more updates and new episodes. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do that on iTunes. Hopefully I'll have that set up by the time this is published. And yeah, check out the website, thatinternationallife.com. And we will uh, see you next time.